Hello and welcome to the 442 Podcast. I'm James Brown, Editor-in-Chief of the magazine. Uh, this week we stage our very own North London derby. Wearing his Arsenal colours with pride is Britain's leading entertainment writer, Boyd Hilton. Thank you. That's quite, that's I that's mean, quite I've never been called that before, but yeah, I'll, I'll go with opinion, it. In my opinion, that is what you are. Oh, thanks, James. Yeah. Oh, um, and alongside Boyd is biographer of Gazza, Rooney and the Beatles, and a man who got closer than most to a top-flight side in his book, The Glory Game, Spurs fan Hunter Davis. Did you say Looney? Gazza, Looney and the Beatles? That's what it sounded Isn't like. Isn't that what he's known <laughs> as? <laughs> Probably. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah. When did you first write about football? What year was your first football article? Because uh, you and Boyd were at school together mm. very much. Yeah. My Famous first sport. football memory was 1945. Okay. When Moscow Dynamo came to England after the war. We'd never seen a foreign team. And Moscow Dynamo came and they played Arsenal at White Hart Lane. Why did they play Arsenal at White Hart Lane, James? Better ground? No, the war was still roughly going on. Okay. And it was still used for security and prisoners of war. So they had to play Arsenal at White Hart Lane. What? Chelsea. Highbury was used. Highbury was used during the war for prisoners of war. It was for ACAC and barrage balloons. Oh, right, okay. It was for war purposes. But White Hart Lane was still a football ground. And they play. I remember them. And then they played Chelsea and they played. Cardiff City, they played, that was my first memory as a little boy of nine or ten. And in all the papers that day, they played, when they played Chelsea, they, the whole Chelsea team on the pitch was each presented with a bouquet of flowers by the Russians. And the whole of the country pissed themselves. Because these, <laughs> these brawny, 11 brawny Chelsea players didn't know what was happening, and they stood on the pitch, each holding a bunch of flowers. Turtle jessies, turtle softies. In those days, men didn't push prams, they didn't change babies, they didn't do anything, and they didn't carry flowers. And that was my first football memory. It's different, it's very different to that now. Yeah. Uh, you were at Emirates last night. Boy. I was, yes. Tell us just very quickly what that was yeah, like. This was your um, Instagram. Yeah, apologies. It's yeah. covered with you hanging out with the top Arsenal stars yeah. and management. Yeah, and I limited myself to not posting every single picture that was taken. Did they ask night. you for the photographs? Of course. Yeah, Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang, yeah. They, were, they wanted a third, you know, to yeah. join them in that uh, What was that event? Was it a charity event? It was a charity. Arsenal every year, they have, probably every club has an annual charity ball where okay. the whole night is about raising money for the it was this for the Arsenal Foundation, which is a brilliant charity run by Bob Wilson. Yeah. And um, Derma O'Leary hosts hosted it this year. So he's hosted okay. it before. And I go to Arsenal with Dermot, so we sit together. Okay. Our season tickets are together. So he had a table for guests, so I was on his table. Okay. And the whole idea of it, because lots of rich people, m me not one of them, okay. pay a lot of money for the t to sit there. And the pl all the players have to be there. It's a three-line whip because it's all for charity. And they have to allow themselves to be photographed. And you have to allow themselves to be chatted to by irritating fans like me. And it's it's like a dream come true because you, you meet these people. And still, you know, I, as you said, I've interviewed, you know, the most famous entertainment people in the world. Yeah. But meeting Aubameyang is much more exciting than now, that. Now, the charity wasn't just, uh, you know, kept focused on Thursday. <laughs> you you also gave away three, we did. a three one on yeah. Wednesday night to Wolves. Yeah, what's what? How does it feel being an Arsenal <laughs> fan at the moment? Um, that game sums up everything that can go wrong with us. We had seventy percent 
of the um, possession in that mm-hmm. game, and one shot on target um, late in the second half. Which was your goal. Which was our goal. And they had four, I think, shots on target and scored three of them. And that kind of sums us up sometimes. And it's been that way for a long time, including the Wenger years. So Arsenal fans are used to every now and then having one of those games where we're lumbering around, passing the ball hopelessly, meaninglessly, if you like, passing it back and sideways and mm. around, tippy-tappy, boring, tedious football that started in the late Wenger period. I could go on about it endlessly. So we're used to it. It's happening every now and then. And, and, and had... the new manager hasn't got rid of this tendency for the players to just not, you know, run with the ball and be more um, aggressive and intense. And Hunter, how's it feel being a Spurs fan at the moment? I watched that game last night. Yeah. It was so sad. It was so sad. It was so hard not to laugh. (laughs) It was so hard not to jeer. And it was so thrilling, the result. And it seemed so typical of Arsenal these days. And the manager looks absolutely... He looks like a geography teacher. And he looks absolutely distraught. And he looks at me, he doesn't quite know what he's doing. Do you think Uh, he does know what he's doing? Uh, it's like all these things, you blame the lack of good players. And it's, it's obviously something wrong with him. There's something wrong with his method. And you haven't got the, the player. Why are you losing? Why are you letting Ramsey go? Ramsey's no. your best player. I know he's not absolutely consistent. I don't understand it. No one understands it, Hunter. Would you have him at, at Spurs? Oh, yeah, I'd have him, yeah. We could Instead do of Ericsson? <laughs> no. Plays in the same position. You could we? have, yeah, but you could have two of them in the middle. You're going to have Ericsson fairly. What, and lose Ali? Uh, well, you need three players for <laughs> two <laughs> positions, don't you? And anyway, then. I think Ramsey's very good. And he's got better. Isn't it amazing, the mentality? Since he knew he was going, and everybody knows he's going, he's played better. That is such true. an amazing Isn't, isn't true, it more yeah. that he's played more? Yeah. Well, that's true as well. Better. But he, yeah, he, the, the so, manager, uh, Emery didn't play him that much in the first third of the season. Yeah. For various reasons. But as for your German, how how he keeps his position, I don't know. Which one? You only got one. Oh, sorry, you got the several ones. Yeah. Yeah, I meant... Uh, Ozil. Yeah. Ozil, yeah. Well, that's... I that's keep on one. thinking the, the Ali song. We've got Delhi Ali. And what's the, how's the wording go about Ozil? Oh, yeah. Um, you just don't understand. We've got Ozil, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that sung very rarely yeah. these days. I can't understand why he's still there. He's doing nothing for Arsenal whatsoever. He's only half decent against third division clubs. He's got he's got better, uh, more points accumulated this year than than Wenger did last year, hasn't he? Oh yeah, the, the, the man, yeah. We, we we're absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. he's obviously they needed to change. No, yeah. I mean, so why he's not done that badly. Ozil, why Ozil's still there? Yeah, you, I, I mean, he it is ridiculous. He's the highest paid player in the in the squad yeah. by far and plays well once in every four games. Yeah, oh, you talk about Ozil. He's not the yeah. manager. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. But actually, yeah. I think, funnily enough, one of the manager's greatest achievements this season has been how he's dealt with that. He's got. A he bit has better. dealt with it. He's, he's dropped him for he's a long, had more time, long part, time. Yeah, and he has come back, and he was better. Albeit, he's now still. Infuriatingly, yeah. were you one of those that went to all the the Wenger matches for the last twenty five oh, yeah. years? Yeah, Wenger out. Oh well, I was only Wenger out for about the last three or four years. <laughs> it was when I it was, went really. I got to Arsenal. I've gone to Arsenal. That's quite a long time. Years. But hang on, we should just set this point. <laughs> yeah, I have a collection of your football columns from the mm. New Statesman, and you confess in there to for quite a period of time having season tickets to both clubs. That's right. Yeah. So you could watch football every mm, Saturday. That was the point. Which isn't historically. As not unusual idea as it sounds now. In the old days, people sometimes would just go and watch whatever game. Yeah. If you lived in a big city like Manchester or Liverpool, pre-war and post-war, you actually would go to both 
all yeah. your local teams each so, week. You had one. The reason I went to Arsenal all these years is I wanted to have a, a game every Saturday, and I had half a season ticket, and I would go, and if Arsenal got beaten, I would be quite sad for my friends, and if they won, I wouldn't celebrate. And deep down, I wanted them to lose, really. And my son, who's inherited my passion with Spurs, thought I was the biggest bastard ever. <laughs> Why are you going to the game? Why are you contributing to their funds and their money? I said, I'm actually paying a friend for half a season to you. It's not going to... He said, of course it's going to the club. And he still won't speak to me about it. He thinks it's deporting. But my point is that... But you had a Fo column. To, you had a column to write. There's as well, that. Didn't you? But football's my first love. Yeah. Secondly, Arsenal's. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Secondly, yeah. Spurs. Spurs is the team I mostly follow. Yeah. And then Carlo United. So those okay. are my teams I look forward to. Well, my I, I so in my formative years of going to Arsenal yeah. in the in the when I was a kind of late teen years, like late eighties, early nineties, I I used to go every week with a Spurs fan, my friend, right. my best friend Dark, yeah. and he he alternated like you. He yeah. went to Spurs, Arsenal each week, every enough. other week. The thing I didn't do it the other way. I didn't go to Spurs because I couldn't face going to that shit hole White Hart Lane. <laughs> but um, now he uh, had a great on time. that point. Yeah. Now White Hart Lane is it's no longer called. Called the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, I believe. It hasn't got a title yet. Have you been? Why doesn't have 442, you been... why doesn't 442 sponsor it? The 442 Stadium. Come on, James, you've got the money. No, I have yeah. this. That would alienate all of their non Spurs supporting readers, though. Yeah, <laughs> like me. He would immediately stop. Isn't reading. It so would he. So would he. None yeah. of these uh, non Spurs fans would be interested. But have you been to the new stadium? Hunter? Yeah, I have. And how does the, the tofu and the. <laughs> Like I don't the, well, the, the fine beers on sale. How does it one of the, girl, to the old one of the posh girls in Made in Chelsea? Tofu. <laughs> what is tofu? <laughs> it's like a fungus on your big toe. I don't know what it is. I don't eat it. What is it? What is tofu? I bet you eat it. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's a bean curd. It's, it's a, a bean, bean curd. Bean Are you not a vegan yet, Hunter? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Shock me. The I went to the I went to the Man City game. Yes. The uh, the European one, mm -hmm. and it's the first time I've physically seen the stadium. Yeah, and walking up the high road, I was disappointed. Okay, the architecture is all over the shop literally, there's bits hanging over the bit, it doesn't seem an entity, and it looks like a Dubai hotel, yeah, from 1970s <laughs> with old flashing panels. But once you go inside, it's absolutely incredible. I can't, I've been to lots of stadiums, big ones, Emirates, the New Camp, uh, all the one's in Portugal, and this is really, they've improved all of those, and they've improved it two ways. Architecture, mm -hmm. it is Internally. Internally, it's a whole. Secondly, the acoustics yes. is absolutely amazing. And I suppose thirdly, the lighting. You don't think about lighting in football stadiums, but the lighting at Spurs is all the way round. It's like a light show, and they have the lights on the top, on the cockerel, okay. and they have the lights on the thing, and they have all the levels are lit. It's magical, absolutely brilliant. But the amazing thing, of course, I didn't expect this. They've won, what is it, four games. I read this amazing statistics today that Spurs have not been beaten in Tottenham for almost two years. <laughs> <laughs> they have been winning since November 2017. They haven't, it's about... 20 games in the old White Hart Lane. They haven't lost. And five games. Now, why is that? How, how do you feel, Boyd, mm. now that Spurs 
have got a substantially good Pissed squad. Off, yeah. A good manager. <laughs> yeah. They've finally got a um, a stadium that is in Hunter's. Yeah. You the best. Yeah, it's got a hundred more seats than ours. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a hundred more. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how does it feel? Because I think, I mean, I don't support either team, mm. but you, you you don't have to support either team to know that Arsenal have been more successful on the pitch. Yeah. For the, for many years. It feels um it feels weird mainly um I still haven't quite come to terms with the fact that because we yeah we've had tw- kind of twenty years I would say of of dominance, of dominance. Yeah. and um. And it's looking at Spurs from from my from afar, it feels like they're reenacting our, our past. A kind of ten years ago, when we moved to the Emirates, when we were kind of top four was like pretty much we felt guaranteed year after year. Maybe I don't know if Spurs feel that it's guaranteed, but they're certainly expected. I think now to finish in the top. Well, they four. got to the Champions League semi final quicker than Arsenal did. We got to the Champions League final, James. No, let's not forget I know, that. No, I know you did. Quicker, all right. Quicker. But, but, I mean, quicker, they got yeah, there quicker. I know. After I know. The move. We were in the Champions League twenty years. I mean, I mean, it was it yeah. get tedious because we always got knocked out in the in fairly early on. So. It feels like they are, and they haven't got any money to spend. You know, they haven't bought a player for two years or two transfer windows. So it all feels, and they've got a brilliant coach. You know, who is in a way changing the Spurs. You know, the way Spurs the operate, the Spursiness, the way Wenger changed out us. In, you know, in almost everywhere. Yeah. So it feels like they are. You know, it feels like I'm looking back at the past, but. And I also feel they're going to get into a bit, unless they do in the Champions League, which uh, if that happens, I will have to kill myself without wanting to make light of suicide okay. in any way. I will have yeah. to... A bit, str- <laughs> bit strong. I mean, that, I, don't, I think every, that is every Arsenal fan's greatest nightmare. Because as you say, not doing well Will enough it? in the Champions League was one of our big disappointments. So if Spurs... Some, I don't think it'll happen. Has I'm this sure thing going, be... been going on this week, talking about worrying about what other teams do? I found it totally... Uh, not bizarre. I understand it, but... It's not what I would do. Watching Manchester United fans and Liverpool fans yeah. hoping that Man- Manchester United fans hoping that Manchester City beat Liverpool fans and mm. Liverpool fans hoping that Manchester United beat Manchester City. Mm. Just yeah. bizarre. Just like supporting. No, your own it's team. understandable. I don't actually dislike Arsenal or dislike Arsenal fans. All the years I used to have this my seat in the West End, I sat beside a bloke roughly of my age, and when they stood up and said, "Stand up if you hate the Arsenal." I would turn to my friend and say, I'm too old to stand up. And he would say, I'm too old to hate. And we never right. stood up. And I got pleasure out of going to Arsenal because there's this no... This was at Spurs. This would happen. Prob- that, that happened at Spurs. It both, yeah. they don't, it's, it's, it's childish. The hatred for each other. It, it's okay when it's funny and you can rubbish them. And never, but so many of these football... Football should be a positive thing. Yeah. You should be loving your club, first of all. And obviously enjoy your rivals doing badly, but you shouldn't hate them. It's it's yeah. so silly. I, yeah, I don't hate I, I don't hate Spurs fans. I think yeah. I dislike actually I dislike West Ham and Chelsea fans more than I dislike <laughs> Spurs. Fans. I don't hate any of them. There's a love in here. There's a love. Yeah. So, but I it do, welcome to North but, London loving. But football yeah. is all about rivalry, isn't it? Maybe not so much if you're a Leeds fan, but it's it, it, the history of the Spurs thing is so ingrained in you when you become mm-hmm. a fan of either club. That's mm-hmm. the thing, isn't it? And it's like, and it is unbelievably immature it's, and stupid and pointless. And yet, I cannot get. I'm a fifty-something-year-old man. I cannot get my fury at Spurs doing well out of my brain. So if they do win this bloody European, and I don't think they will, the Champions League, that will ruin my life. But I'll cope and recover. But what's interesting is I think they're in it. What I was going to say was, I think uh, what gives me some pleasure is the rut we got in in the late Wenger period of yeah. not having enough money to spend, the lack of ambition mm-hmm. in that way, partly due to the stadium, 
and just his whole mindset. I feel like that could happen with Spurs. So that's keeping me amused in some way. Because if they don't win, I know the winning something thing is often exaggerated, but actually, you know, even winning the League Cup, wherever the fuck it's called but now, you know what? is a great day. And I think as soon as that does happen to Spurs, it will be a huge lift for them. I was a great fan of Wenger, and I used to wish Spurs had Wenger as the manager. And I thought it was disgraceful the way Arsenal fans, so-called fans, for three years, <laughs> like Boyd here, wanted him out. I thought they don't deserve him. He's done such wonders for you. And he's such an intelligent, obviously good man. He's not nasty or horrible like Mourinho. He's not off his rocker like some of them. And I thought, really, I would have liked him at any stage in the last 10 years to go to Spur. In my head, Arsenal is still the aristocratic club. Okay. Arsenal is still in the 1930s winning game after game, and Arsenal, in my head, still has the marble halls, <laughs> even though we've got this posh stadium. I always look upon the... Uh, Do you think that's going to affect Spurs' status if it suddenly becomes... an upper-class club. If Spurs become successful again, do you think it will change their, their outlook? That's By successful again, I mean like maybe winning a league yeah. or a significant oh, European we, trophy. We know that, yeah. <clears throat> we won nothing for years and years. We did win the double once and won it before Arsenal. That goes back 1962, whatever it was. It's appalling, really. Can it's we so just, nice that the general... Can we just... One uh, of the one, things that reading the all the papers and also reading the... Most papers are filled by London-based players, London-based reporters. Mm -hmm. And I sense in the last 10 years a huge affection for Spurs amongst the football writing fraternity. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. And it's a, there's a vague bias. But do you not think that might be because but they've got we're all largely, apart from a few of them, yeah. who are Scottish and so on, but are largely, they are largely English writers, mm. and the Spurs have produced or signed and developed four or five first-team England players. That's recently, but this has been over the last 10 years. Isn't it horrible that the PFA... Team of the Year has only two English people in it. Mm. Came it's worse than it's got Paul Pogba in it. Well, I mean, that's the big... Oh, Pogba, story. just unbelievable. Yeah, that Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. What Hunter, are they? Hunter, I want to before... Sorry. Whilst, whilst we are sitting in the past of Spurs, I want to read a quote from your, yeah. your book, The Glory Game. It's a description of what it felt like for you to be in the dressing room after Spurs had lost. And if you haven't read The Glory Game, do pick it up because it, the access is unparalleled. Um, and this is what you wrote, Hunter. They sat like shipwrecked hulks, naked with their heads bowed, unable to move. Cyril Knowles seemed to be crying. His eyes were red and swollen. His arms were shaking. No one could look at anyone else. Now this week on um, the, af after the Manchester, after the Manchester derby, we saw Roy Keane 
somebody who has probably reduced quite a few teammates to tears, mm. never mind the opposition. And Gary Neville, another very intense performer, and Graham Souness, who was no lightweight himself mm. when it came to intensity, really ratcheting up the level of expectation and criticism of Manchester United's players. Um, how do you see the expectations? How have they changed amongst the players themselves over the years in terms of what they have to give for the team? Nothing has changed. You think so? The intensity... They got bugger all money back in the 1970s. Uh, they lived in boring houses. Uh, they had to get a job in a paper shop. But they really care. But I believe the players care today as well. Even though they're getting a million pounds a week, even though they've got everything you can think of, uh, the, their future is totally secure. At that moment when they've got stuffed, or that moment when they've played below how they should have paid, they're absolutely distraught. They're not going around thinking, oh, I've got all this money in the bank, I've got all these girls I can eat, I've got all these cars I can drive. Mm. I think the intensity and the depression when they get beaten is exactly the same. It's all these lads have known since they were eight. It's yeah. all they wanted to do. It's all they've been bred for, in a, like in a nursery, in a controlled environment. Yeah. And it matters. So I never really, when people say it's all right for them, they don't care, they've got all this money, they do care. Boyd, you were interacting with that <laughs> yeah. exchange on your... Apart from Pogba. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, which is a very crucial point. <laughs> what, yeah. what is your take on it? Because it is, you are an entertainment writer, you write about mm. film, you write television. Um, it's fantastic viewing. I was watching mm. uh, Keen and Soonis, and they're like, they're trying to outdo each other on how yeah, much I said they, should they get, have get contempt. Naked. I thought they should get naked and reenact the wrestling scene from Women in No, love. but they're not disagreeing with each other. They're just trying to go up a oh, level. Oh, no, they loved mm. each other. Honestly, yeah. if you looked at Sunes, it was like, oh my God, thank finally. Because Sunes does Sky every week and I love him. Yeah. But it's very rare to get Roy Keane on Sky. So Sunes was like looking at him like, you know, one of, one of those, that cliche about, you know, if only you had someone who looked at you in the same way Sunes looked at Roy Keane. He was in love with him because he's another like big macho man. You know, yeah. it was like these two macho icons of football trying to outdo each other in how they're going to slag off these players as being useless, dilettante idiots who have too much hair gel. So that was brilliant. But it was the Gary Neville, Roy Keane axis that was intriguing. Cause, okay. Because I think Keane feels intrinsically that Gary Neville was a bit of a lardy dar you know, intellectual yeah. figure who won't come out and say Paul, Paul Pogba needs to get, get rid of him right now, basically. Mm -hmm. He keeps alluding to... Gary Neville keeps alluding to these players at Manchester United who aren't pulling their weight without naming them. And I do feel that if you're going to be a pundit, even if you're an ex-Man U legend like he is, you've got to name names, and he's not. And I felt Keane was, like, was naming names that night. And it was, a, it was just brilliant TV, as you say. Why it do you was think like... that is? Because uh, a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, we had our editor-at-large, Andy Mitten, who's... Yeah. Uh, you know, he's been writing about Manchester United for 30 years. Mm. Um, he, we asked him if he thought, he's close with Gary Neville, um, yeah. we asked him if he thought Gary Neville would make a good director of football at Manchester United, and he said he's absolutely not interested. <laughs> no. So they weren't that, the club weren't that keen on them erecting a hotel opposite the ground. Why do you think he has that sort of um, 
polite respect about because not naming the players who aren't pulling their weight. I think he's. I think he, the one of the. I think he does a lot on the. You know, for Scott, he he interviews players right now. You okay. know, as well. So you know, they probably send him off to interview Pogba next week. You know, for, for all we know, I think that's partly it. I think he doesn't want to be publicly scathing about them because he know. <laughs> and I think he still knows a lot of them. Obviously, you know, he must. He must. He knows the manager. He must, the manager's probably one of his yeah. best mates. So. That's why, really. And, and, and that's always the way for a lot of these pundits. But then you get... That's why having Roy Keane there... Is because Roy Keane does not give a shit about... He's Man compulsive United. viewing, isn't he? It's, it, he, is, he is the, you know, Cersei of Game of Thrones, of, you know, uh, yeah. of, of TV pundits. I'm saying yes. I haven't got yeah, a clue sorry, it's a very, it's a very, I don't uh, watch it. That's a very wanky, <laughs> nerdy Game of Thrones <laughs> reference. Sorry. But he is this... For mid, it's just brilliant. You know, have him in every week, Sky, please. So, and it was also funny to have um, the ex City goalkeeper, what's his Joe name? Hart. Joe Hart, thank you. He looks so nervous. He used to look shell shocked and nervous, right? Sitting there rigid. And he was, and what was brilliant was they kind of forced him to admit that Pep Guardiola completely wanted to get rid of him as soon as he arrived, which was hilarious as well. Yeah. To see the poor man having to admit, yeah, he thought I was shit and got rid of me immediately. The whole night, punditry wise, was. One of the best ones I've seen. Now, Hunter, you just told us you don't watch. I never watch punditry. I watch every live match that's on the television. I've watched no other television program except football. Now, I know how you watch it. Can you... And I uh, tune in at kickoff. Give us the setup for the Hunter Davis, particularly in the World Cup. Give us your setup when you used to watch it in your house in the Lake District. It's the same. It's probably the same in London. It's the same everywhere. First of all... This is great. I watch it. On my own. I have a son who's an absolutely mad football fan. And I only allow him to sit with me on two conditions. One is he mustn't move. Secondly, he can only talk about what's on the screen. Okay. He can't go off about Arsenal if Arsenal are not playing. Or Gaza if Gaza is not playing. You can only talk about what we're watching on the screen. Because I want total concentration. I don't want any other people mucking around. So I tune in. Exactly when it's kickoff. And what do you have with you? I have a bottle of Beaujolais. Okay. Oh, uh, this is all, I this have. Is great. Uh, I might have my lunch at half time if it's a, if it's a Saturday or Sunday. Sweets. Sweets. I remember reading that you sweets. had a whole setup of confectionery. You know, no, 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 no sweets. sweets. Okay. No, yeah. But I have lots of sort of crisps and peanuts, and yeah, and snacks. I have my l- snacks. So you don't have to leave the room, do you? Basically? I don't have to leave the room. That's right. Yeah, I love that. That but, is. But I don't watch the the pre-game discussion. And the minute the halftime whistle goes, I leave the room, and I walk around the block. <laughs> I go in the garden and do some work. I have a cup of tea, or I do some work. But I don't want to watch and listen to banal observations about the game I've just seen because I've had the banal observations. And the big thing about modern television is that you're seeing repeats all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. So they might go back to it. And what I scream at when they say we've got lots of talking points and these talking points are absolutely so fiddling. Do you not watch st- Match of the Day then, which is effectively... I do. Oh, OK. So yeah. what do you do when they... when Because they it's have the same thing. after each... It's the same thing. Oh, okay. I w- There's a lot of walking around the block. But I don't watch Match of the Day live because oh, okay. I go to bed at 5 to 10 okay. every night of the uh, year. Okay. Always have done. So on Sunday morning, I videoed Match of the Day. Yeah. And I get up and I have my muesli, which I make myself. Do you want to know the recipe? <laughs> I have my muesli and I watch the Match of the Day, which I've recorded. And I do the same thing. I whiz on the two games I've already seen. 
from the day before, and I whiz on all the commentary. And because I watch so much football, I watch literally everything that's on thing and the fodden stuff as well, I would get nothing done if I watched the... The chat. The chat, yeah. I I do get nothing done because I watch... I I totally respect that, but I love... How do you have time? Because you have to... You have mm. to watch television yeah. for your job. I do that every, you know, in the daytime mostly. So night, you know, and entire weekends. This weekend, for example, recording this on the Friday, this Sunday, you know, there are three big games on Sky, yeah. starting with the Arsenal game at noon, I think, on Sunday. Now I'm I'm in for the whole day, right? So I'll yeah, be sitting there. Same here, yeah. My, hopefully, my mate Elgo, watch who's a big Liverpool fan, will come around and watch with. Then what you said about with your son about, you know, you're only allowed to talk about the football that's on screen. I mean, I don't even have to. Warn my friend Elgar about that. We're, what else are we going to talk about apart is from that every with any uh, game? Yeah, any game. We're only ever. I think that's you've got to watch. With the, we're only ever going to talk about what's on the screen. Not going to talk about anything else. No, they, at, unless at half time. But I have to say, I am addicted to punditry because I'm, I'm almost because I think that's yeah. part of the great soap opera of football for me. Is you know I'm interested in how people like Gary Neville deal with the fact that they're so intrinsically tied to Man United and he now has yeah. to talk about them, criticise them. It's it's fascinating. I'm obsessed with Ian Wright as a pundit. With you know, there's a lot of ex-Arsenal player pundits who are you know at various levels there's, of. There's decency. barely a show without an Arsenal ex. Right, exactly. exactly. I suppose I feel like a modern player who must be really pissed off when these ex-players who are not managers who just sit there and get paid a huge amount. And you know what's happening in the background? The producers are saying more, more. Have a go at him. Why didn't you do yeah. this? You mean when the ex-players uh, behave like us journalists? That's right. <laughs> and it's very upsetting for them. I do feel they should have more journalists on. I've always thought that, you know. Yeah. Like they should, Danny would Baker you, did a couple. I'd love to go on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, I'm not an expert too. I'm, just, I'm an idiot. Who kind of I'm allergic to Alan Shearer as well. Okay. I hate, he's the most banal person I've ever come across. Every observation, <laughs> my granddaughter could say exactly the same, but he has this habit of leaning forward and his eyes narrow and looking really serious and intellectual and saying something really profound. Actually, I quite enjoy, having said out, I quite enjoy Steve McManaman. Okay. Because he has one adjective, which is very nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very nice pass. That was a can very we, nice goal. That speak? was a very nice throw-in. Oh, a very nice pasta. A very nice hamburger at halftime. A very nice Look, corner. Speaking of Liverpool, yeah. you are known throughout any the world of people who know about football books for your, for your football writing. But you really first came to the attention of many people. I know you had a, a novel which became a film before that for being the official biographer of the Beatles. Mm. Now... Is it true that you are responsible for a little bit of Sergeant Pepper's cover that is football related? Yeah. Um, when they were doing the Sergeant Pepper cover, which they're going to have on the cover, I forgot how many, 50, there's going to be heroes and icons and people of our time and people. They weren't, they weren't nationally goodies. And this went on for weeks choosing the people. On the actual evening of the photographic session, I was there watching it. And when I was in a group with them, I never wrote things down then Mm -hmm. because there might have been an eruption. And I came back and I wrote my notes that evening. In the notes that evening, I have a description saying, and Hitler was standing by the side Mm -hmm. alongside Jesus. And they had a cutout of Hitler and a cutout of Jesus. In the last minute, they were stopped Mm -hmm. from putting it on the screen, putting it on, on the yeah. montage. Yeah. When they were getting ready and doing it, 
I said to them, you've got all these musicians, you've got all these composers, you've got all these philosophers, you've got these novelists, you haven't got a footballer. I knew by then none of them in their childhood was interested in football. They never went to football games. Mm -hmm. They didn't come from Everton or Liverpool families. And I said, you should have a player from your background, from your childhood, because people look up to football. And so John thought of... Albert Stubbins. Albert Stubbins. And I said, why have you chosen him? He said, I don't know who he played for, but I remember his name when I was a boy, and it used to make me laugh. <laughs> so he chose Albert Stubbins, not because he played for Everton, mm -hmm. not because he was quite a good footballer, because his name sounds funny. His name sounds like a pretend footballer's name, Stubbins. Um, what, were they, what were they like together in comparison to footballers? Because the, you've sat with a lot of footballers together, yeah. and you've worked. I know you worked with like Gazza and Dwight yeah. York and, and Rooney on their own. But were, were there any elements of being around the Beatles that reminded you of Why later not? being around Spurs? I had a similar feeling doing each book almost at the same time. When I was in the Abbey Road doing Sergeant Pepper and the Beatles in 1967-68, there would often be arguments between John and Paul. Mm -hmm. And that often be, and I was in the in the bowels mm -hmm. in the actual the studio on the floor, mm -hmm. and high up would be a glass glazed wall behind which George Martin and all the techies would sit. And if any of the wives came or Mick Jagger came, they weren't allowed on the on the the floor, the bowels of the, but you the were studio. There. They had to stay up there. And I sort of inveigled myself in, and I sat with them, and I put the earphones on with them, and I sat with the two roadies. Mm -hmm. But now and again, if there was an eruption, I thought they will turn. They might turn to me, and say, "What he's, what's he doing? Get out!" Mm -hmm. Because when you're having an argument with your best friend, you're looking for somebody else to take it out on. I remember thinking, if that happens, the book will not come out because we'll have fallen out. And, but I'll have had the pleasure of sitting inside Abbey Road for a year, listening to it going on. Mm -hmm. Six years later, four years later, in 1971-72, I was doing the book about Spurs, mm -hmm. and I'd done the same thing. I'd got into the inner sanctum. I trained with them at the training ground. I got in the bath with them. I went on runs with them. You can't believe it. And I passed the ball with them when they needed somebody to do the ball. And Bill Nicholson, who was not the most uh, affable, friendly person, gave me a, a training shirt. But now and again, I got in the, the dressing room before the game, during the game, and after the game. I remember one time during the game, Bill Nicholson was having a row with Martin Chivers. Mm -hmm. and, he, and Martin Chivers was the star, was the was the Harry, Keen, Harry Kane. Yeah, and he was the star player, but Bill Nicholson had got it into his head that for some reason Martin Chivers could pull his finger out and do it for England, run around, knock himself out, but he wasn't doing it for Spurs. He seemed like Pogba. He seemed lethargic and doing very little. So they were having a row about this at half time. At half time in yeah. the dressing room, because he wasn't trying hard enough, and a cup did fly. It was an accidental cup that flew, but it got broken on the floor. And people were rushing up. And 
Bill was looking round because he wasn't really a squeak, he wasn't a Fergie, mm-hmm. but he had it really round. I thought, he's going to pick on me and saying, who's that? Because I didn't have any badges. I had no authority to be in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. I just hung around for the whole season. And it went through my mind the same thing. If I get chucked out, there really will be no book because I had no contract with Spurs. I had no contract with the players. I'd done them a letter to each of them saying, you can read the bit about yourself and you will have 50% off all the proceeds. Mm-hmm. That was all I'd done. And I thought, if I get chucked out, I'll have had every boy's fantasy, every man's fantasy, every girl's fantasy of being inside the dressing room of a top club at a vital game. Especially in the bath. You got in the bath with him. That's what I, I mean. Them, if I, I could get in the bath, bath with them, Alexander yeah. Lacazette, you, you can't believe it. When I, they had no, none of the players had an agent, a manager, a lawyer. When I did, they were just people who played football. That's right. When I did, and you could see them, talk to them in, in the, uh, in the, in the car park. Mm-hmm. Anybody who lived in Cheshire could go with their dog and walk around the training pitch, watching it happening. When I did Wayne Rooney's biography in nineteen, doesn't really matter when it was, yeah. eight or nine years ago. I'd done a piss-taking piece in the New Statesman because I read that Wayne Rooney was getting £5 million for his five biographies for the rest of his life. And I did a piece attacking it, saying, a lad of 19, Mm -hmm. how absolutely stupid to give him all this money. Mm -hmm. Shakespeare, 18, nobody was doing his biography. Mozart, 15, a boy nobody was doing. It's absolutely potty. And on the Monday morning, I got a call from HarperCollins saying, you're on the short list to ghost, <laughs> to ghost the book. Would you like to meet him? I said, brilliant idea. <laughs> Long overdue. That's great. So I went to HarperCollins' op- offices and I went into the boardroom and his manager was there, Paul Spratford. And his uh, lawyer was there. His PR was there. His brand manager was there. A brand manager. I never knew there was such a person. There was a woman in a suit. Don't you have a brand manager? <laughs> <laughs> and there was a goon at the door who was just private detective. And it was absolutely filled with all these officials in suits. And Wayne eventually came wearing a tracky bottom and a hoodie. And I talked to him. By that time, I'd done Gaza. And I said, these are the conditions if you ask me to do the book. Mm-hmm. One is you've got to give me eight months at least. I have to see you every two or three weeks. And during the time I'm with you, I don't want any dissembling, any lying. I want you to tell me the truth and nobody will read it until you read it. And then I said, why do you want to do it? Because with Dwight York, he didn't really want to do it. That was Mm -hmm. an awful mistake. And fourthly, I said, have you got any memorabilia? And he said, what's memorabilia? I said, have you got letters from Everton. Have you got letters from... He said, my mum will have. I eventually went to see his mother in her house in Liverpool and she arrived in her uniform. What was her uniform, James? Dinner lady. Well done. (laughs) Dinner lady. She just came off the shift. And she had... (laughs) That was a guess. And she had three piles, two piles of folders in neat little plastic bags. One was every... Report from his nursery school, age four, yeah, till he left his Catholic comprehensive, and the other one was every letter from Everton. 
about his development. Yeah, the Everton Academy. And that was absolutely gold dust because, as you know, Chapters all academies... One, two, eight. <laughs> all academies are secretive. Mm-hmm. You can't find out the list of people at the Arsenal Academy because they keep it very quiet because they'll get stolen by somebody else or by Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. The, and she gave me all this material, which was absolutely riveting. The book was rubbish because I got nothing out of it, but the memorabilia was terrific. But I found things like, when I looked look through his school reports, I could see a report aged 14. Wayne has had a good term, but if you stop playing... I forgot the name of it. It was a gambling game in the playground, throwing pennies against the wall. Counts against the wall. And yeah, he'd, been, still play that. he'd been doing it all the time. I said, you're not still gambling, are you? He said, oh, yeah. It was already the stage when he had mobile phones, and he was given the mobile phone number of a betting phone. He couldn't go into Ladbrokes anymore. Somebody in the England dressing room it said, this is the number to put your bets on. So all footballers then and now, at in the 30s, will come home, and in the afternoon they can't do anything. They just sit and watch either children's television or they watch the racing and they're sitting putting... So Wayne would be sitting putting bets on on his mobile phone. On horses, not football. On horses. Okay. On horses. And he never met the people, and it just went up and up. He's just a young lad. They were taking advantage of it. So it went up and up and up until suddenly they said, you owe us all this money. So Wayne told me all this, and I said, surely all this time when you've been running at these debts, you must have won some money. How did you get when you won? Oh, yeah, I once won, I can't remember now, 30,000 quid. And I said, well, if you don't know these people, how did you get it? He said, a boy arrived at, what's the train ground? Carrington, mm. the train ground, with the money in a plastic bag. <laughs> and I said, what did you do with the money? I said, I gave it to... His wife. What you call it again? Colleen. Is it Colleen? Colleen. Colleen yeah. I gave it to Colleen. And what did Colleen do? She went shopping. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And yeah. uh, on on the subject of winners, who do you think is going to win the league? Manchester City or Liverpool? And where do you think Spurs will be? And then the same question yeah. to you, Boyd. Man City will win the league, although personally, I prefer Liverpool to win the league. Okay. I just have a romantic attachment to... Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool, and I think their manager is lovely. I think it's an excellent thing. There's something about Man City I don't quite like, and they've had so much money the last 10, 20 years, and the whole ownership, they're all owned by mm-hmm. unattractive people these days. And I think Spurs will be third, and I okay. think Go on, Arsenal on. will be fourth. Well, I, I absolutely agree with everything you just said. Oh. So... I want Liverpool. To, I mean, I want Liverpool to win. In fact, I've said all season that Liverpool will win the league, yeah. so I'm going to stick with that. I think somehow, even if they've only got three games to go, mm-hmm. somehow City might drop a point somewhere. And I really hope Liverpool win. Maybe, I know, at, maybe at Leicester. Maybe at Leicester. And I know, for weirdly, a lot of Arsenal fans are really anti-Liverpool. Like they've got this. A lot of football fans have this whole thing about, oh, you know, it, the fans will be unbearable. Liverpool fans, particularly Liverpool fans, will be unbearable if they win this league. Oh. My answer is, well, yeah, but everyone has the right to be unbearable when you when you haven't won for so long. And I feel that I feel a bond with Liverpool because of partly because of Hillsborough, and you know we won the league for the first time, yeah. you know, in, in memory that year, and that was mm-hmm. a beautiful. That whole night of '89 was a beautiful thing when Arsenal paid yeah. tribute to people who lost their lives. So I feel a bond with Liverpool, and I really hope they win. 
and maybe they will. And I feel we will still finish top four despite our calamitous <laughs> week. I feel I've worked it out. I worked out all the fixtures um, that, w- that are left between us, Chelsea, Spurs, and Man U. And I think Spurs will be third. We'll be fourth. Same number of points as Chelsea, but we'll we'll have better goal difference. Okay. And will Ramsey score the final goal of the season? <laughs> no, he's injured, isn't he? I th- and I don't think he's going to be able to come back. And I think that's a huge loss for us. That's we don't know sad. how we're going to deal with that, but it would be beautiful if he did. Maybe he'll be fit enough for the. You forget to the Europa League final against Chelsea. He could get back for that. He could do just. He could do maybe. It's on. It's right at the end of May. It would be fitting. It would be lovely. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Hunter and Boyd. Thank you very much. The latest issue of Four Four Two comes out next week. It's got the greatest players of the last twenty-five years because it's our twenty-fifth anniversary special. We've also unearthed a fantastic treasure trove of pictures of Pele that uh, people haven't seen before, and we got the man himself to comment on the pictures. We've got interviews with James Madison, Eddie Howe, Lucy Bronze, Pontus Janssen, Andy Cole, and uh, it's you know you get a load of free prints of the likes of Ronaldo, Beckham, Cruyff, Henri, Speed, and Shearer, and Maldini, and uh, do pick it up because it's a it's a great issue. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via Spotify and iTunes, and you can follow us on Twitter at four four two. Until next week, goodbye. <laughs>